All right. This is the first episode of the podcast, Thrive Differently, where we bring impact and quirk into work. I am your host, Coach Nicole. And today I am so excited to start this season with my favorite coach, Teresa Heath-Waring. And we really are going to dive into what does it mean to find your Thrive tribe? So before we start, I'd love to introduce the beautiful Teresa. She is an online business marketing and mindset strategic coach who works with business owners from all across the world, helping them to build businesses and lives that they love. She is an international best-selling author, award-winning speaker, and TEDx speaker. She is also the host of Your Dream Business podcast, which I frequent. And has interviewed the likes of Denise Duffield Thomas, Amy Porterfield, Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, Jasmine Starr. The list goes on and on. And I'm so excited. You definitely are going to have to check her out after this. Teresa is recognized alongside some of the world's digital marketing leaders and is highly regarded as UK's leading marketing influencers. Woo! Talk about thriving. Okay, here we go. I am so honored to say that Teresa is also my coach. And it only seemed right to have this amazing woman here to kick off the first episode of Thrive Differently. Yay, we're here, finally. Can't believe it. I'm so pumped to have you here, Teresa. Please tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do. Oh my gosh. So I am sat here, my cheeks hurt because I'm smiling so hard. Seriously, and I smile a lot. I've done some serious smiling, just listening to you and seeing how you are showing up, how you're doing this, how we went from just having conversations to you taking action. And I am so proud. You are like, this is ace. I am so excited. Thank you. I'm blushing, but I believe this is going to be about you. So let's dive in (laughs) a little bit about what, why I love you so much and what you're bringing to this beautiful world. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. I love talking. That is like my number one thing. I was told as a child, I talked far too much. And lo and behold, that's how I make my living now, which is great. So I have been in marketing for 18, 19 years. I did a degree in it. I worked for all these different companies, big companies like Land Rover to teeny tiny companies where I did everything. And I never wanted my own business. Never, not once. Wasn't one of these people who are like, you know, when people are at school and they like do a little business on the side or they do, no, not me. I loved being an employee and I think I was a very good employee because I'm a people pleaser. So my boss would say, can I have this by Thursday? And I would smugly go, here it is on Wednesday because that was the sort of human I was because I liked being patted on the head and being told that I've done a really good job. So never had the thought of having my own business ever. And then I was head of marketing for an agency here in the UK and I had just separated from my ex-husband. So we'd just broken up. We'd been together 12 years. I had a daughter who was like three or four at the time. And life just threw a curveball. And I was like, it just almost made me reassess and look at everything. And although I loved my job, there were a couple of things about it that I was like, you know what? This is hard work. And I don't want hard work anymore. I don't mean doing the hard work. I like things simple. I don't mind working hard, but I wanted them simple. And it was just getting too much. And I just thought, I just want to be happy. So I had this insane idea of, I'm just going to have my notice in. And actually, the truth of it is, and you'll love this, Nicole, <laughs> I went out one night and drank too much. And my boss also went out on the same night and drank too much. We ended up having a glazing row. 
in a bar and that is not me at all. I'm a people pleaser. There's no way I would scream at my boss, <laughs> but I was a bit drunk and I just thought I probably shouldn't work there anymore. So I handed my notes in and I thought, I know I'm really good at what I do. I'm going to get another job easily, forgetting that I live in a rural-ish part of Shropshire in England and they don't have big marketing jobs going very often. Long story short, got about four weeks into my notice, decided no one is offering me a job, got another few weeks left to go. What if for one second I can bring in just half of the money I bought in for that company while I worked for them? It was like the thought entered my head and my boss suddenly realized and asked me to leave immediately. So I had a month's salary, no husband or partner to support me. So no other income coming into the house, no rich parents. I had parents, they weren't rich, no other money, no savings, literally a month's salary. And I thought, got to do it now, haven't I? And I had a four-year-old and I was wow. a single parent and I had to bring in £1,500 a month minimum to keep my house running and keep my car running and all the other stuff. So I went out there and I did it. And within a week, my business was set up. I had a website, I had a brand, I had business cards, which I had to have back in the day. I started doing like marketing for other people. And then after a little while, I realized that I'd created a business that was a bit of a beast. And even though I'd got a team and I'd got this agency, I went from having one boss to having 17. And my daughter was now probably five and was going to school. And I thought I could do it within school hours. And I don't know who the hell I was kidding. Who could do anything <laughs> in school hours? In the UK, school starts at nine, finishes at three. And I just decided I started to speak. I started to get picked up for speaking. I started traveling for speaking. And my clients would be a bit like, oh, you're too busy for us now. And I was like, yeah, I am a little bit. So <laughs> I thought, what if this online membership coaching world works? So that's what I did. I sacked all my clients and got a bit scared again because I'd been scared once. I got scared again and I started promoting the online side. And now today I have a membership. I have an executive club where it's a high level, more masterminded type thing. I have one-to-one -one coaching clients. I've done my coaching qualification and I just love it. I adore what I do. I think that's the big thing is that you are adored by so many. That's what I wanted to talk about too, especially because we met very uniquely we from did. a mutual coach that we had, yes. who's the beautiful, wonderful, magnificent, thriving Mary Hyatt. Oh, we cool. were so honored to be able to be a part of this retreat where I was helping and you were attending as a dear friend. And I really thought it would be such an amazing way to kick off this podcast and just what this business is all about, Thrive Differently, in celebrating the fact that we met serendipitously from across the world, came together here yeah. in Nashville you talk about all of your success, you started this membership, you followed your core and your gut and said, okay, this doesn't feel authentic. I'm going to pivot here. I'm going to support this. And then being a single mom, which I know a lot about too, and it's scary. Can you talk about how connections have really played a role into where you are today? I think it's huge. It's huge in any business, but I think people get so preoccupied with numbers okay so especially in the online world space so we know that roughly one to two percent of your email list will bring you income okay 
So then you start thinking, I need numbers and I need big numbers. And the other thing is they watch and listen other people who have huge numbers. And I did exactly the same. And it burnt me. Like I made mistakes. I wasted money. I got unrealistic expectations because I would look at someone who is huge in their world and think, if I'm doing a webinar, I need at least 500 people live on the webinar. Yeah, no, hardly anybody gets 500 people on a webinar. These random, massive people might. And also, if I'm opening a membership, I should have 500 people in my membership. I should have six-figure launches. I should do this. So what happens is when you're starting, they don't appreciate the people in their world because all they're after are the numbers because that's what they've been taught. Because to be successful, you've got to be like me and therefore you've got to have a big following. Whereas they're not loving the people in their world. They're not loving the following that they've got. Let's say, for instance, you start your email list and you get 20 people on there. They won't email them. They'll think, oh, that's not enough. 20 people's not enough. Instead of loving and paying attention to those 20 people and making them your biggest fans ever, they just think that's not enough. So I think in my world in particular, people forget the connection part and they just think all about the numbers part. And I think... If we had done that, if I had come in and had conversations with you and it was never intended that I would come into the retreat and get a client from it, That's that right. wasn't the thing at all because it was just about the connection. That's all it was. And that was the most perfect and beautiful thing because we got to know each other and we got to have conversations and we got to realize that we liked each other and we wanted to hang out together and that I might be a good fit for you and you might be a good fit for me. And when you're starting in business, it is about numbers and we do need people to know you exist. But it's not about waiting until you're ginormous in order to then show up. It's about showing up and loving those people. And I think for me, I've got people who have been in my world since day one because I showed up for them on day one and I'm still here doing the same eight years later. That's one of the most important things in terms of showing up and connecting with people from the very beginning and not be thinking, oh gosh, that's only 10 people who have signed up to my, my webinar. I had one person attend a webinar once, one. That person had the best looking webinar she's ever had in her life. Like literally, what do you do? Okay, it's all over you. Seriously, she had a one-on-one -on -one hour. But like that person will be my biggest fan because I've connected with them and I've had that conversation with them. So I think that's the first thing. It's about appreciating anybody and everybody that comes into your world. You don't know where they're going to take you. You don't know where it's going to go. You don't know who they know. The other thing is, for me, it's about showing up exactly as me. And that's why I love what you've done. I love the Thrive Differently. I love the fact it's all about embracing who you are and thriving in that. Because I grew up in this online world, as it were, being told I had to be a cookie cutter the same as everyone else. I had to look a certain way. At one point, I was known as the British version of someone because I looked so similar to them and my message was so similar and I was trying to show up the same as them. And I wasn't copying them. I look how I look, I couldn't change that, but I wasn't copying them. I just, I was trying to emulate them. I was trying to look at, okay, this is how I have to be successful. So we're taught that this is how you have to look to be successful. And actually that isn't the case at all. They were successful because they were the first ones doing it like them. It's like Gary Vee, okay? I definitely wasn't known as the British Gary Vee. <laughs> For our US listeners, can you say who this is? You know who Gary Vee is? Okay, I've just blown Nicole's world. 
So after this, she's going to go and search Gary Vee. You'll go down a rabbit hole and I'll lose you for days. And like he is huge online, like reels, TikToks. He's got a massive company that just does content all the time. And he has a very particular style. Okay. He's quite aggressive. He swears a lot. Like he's all right. Like, I don't dislike it. He's almost like a Tony Robbins-esque type person. Okay. But he has a very particular style, like Tony does, like Dean Graziosi does, like all these people. And then what people do is they look at it and think, oh, that's how I've got to be. Whereas, no, they were the first ones to show up like that. And they were different. They were doing something different at the time, which is why so many people jumped on them. But now people look at them and go, oh, I need to be like Gary Vee, or I need to be like Tony Robbins, or I need to be like this person. And it's no be you because the only person that you can be is you and I think for me showing up as authentically showing up as and authentic is a real like buzzy naffy I was going to swear then I swear a lot Nicole knows I do because I don't just that when I'm on a podcast I don't I was going to say and I can't even remember what I was going to say like wanky wanky wow I'll try and work on my swears a bit more as we go on. So authenticity, that word is a wanky word in the marketing industry because it's overused. People use it all the time. It's so authentic. And I was having a conversation with Mary, weirdly about it, when we were talking about authentic and we talked about me showing up as authentic. And we were talking about how when someone is like getting upset, when they're going live and they're crying and they're like, I'm being really authentic. No, that's not authentic. Because when I'm crying, my first thought isn't to go live on Instagram. If I was really upset about something, I said, oh, hang on a minute. Just that's not how that happens, is it? So it's about showing up as me. And if they like me, great. For everyone listens to this and anyone who is resonating with the Thrive Differently theme, if they don't like you, it doesn't matter. Being empowered and feeling so confident in the fact of this is who I am, this is how I show up. If this is not for you, that is all right, is like one of the best things you can ever learn seriously the best thing because then you stop worrying what people are thinking you stop thinking you've got to be a certain way and you just show up as yourself and if people don't like it they don't like it one of the big things that we've talked about is building your brand donald miller who is a local nashville person Mm -hmm. as well has an amazing book on how to build your brand and i think your brand is really who you are how you show up Mm -hmm. and just being real I think the more I am showing up authentically, the more it's like a straight yes or no. So can you talk a little bit about that, the power of showing up authentically and from a marketing perspective, helping people to really make a decision if they're right for you? When I think of marketing that I've done in the past, I've marketed brands and I've marketed huge businesses and therefore they want people to like them. And it's not that as a personal brand or as a small business owner, when you are your business, You want people to dislike you. That's not the case at all. But you want people to come to a decision really quickly. And if you are trying to convince anybody of anything, and I don't mean let's get on a call and let's talk about why you should coach with me. That's not what I mean. If you've got to really work hard to show this is why I'm the person for you, this is why I'm a good fit, they're probably not a good fit. I show up and I do show up an awful lot and I show my face on stuff and I do my podcast and I do my lives and I do my stories and all this. Literally two weeks ago, I was on stage and I often, I attract a fairly female-led audience and I was in a room of like very corporate white males. They were very cookie cutter. Everyone's got a Mm -hmm. suit on and that's not normally my world. 
And I was talking to someone at the beginning that I knew who'd come up to say they'd come to see me, which is awesome. And I was like, I don't know, I'm going to go down because this is not my audience. These people do not resonate with me. And I was absolutely fine with that. And I know by the way people did and some of the conversations I had with some of the attendees that some of the males there thought I was a bit stupid and thought I was a bit silly. And I don't care. Like, I don't care that they think that because I don't want to work with them and they don't want to work with me. And the thing is, when you are selling your business, when you are your business, could you imagine anything worse than having someone come and buy from you who you just thought, oh, you are not my bag. Like, it would just be the worst relationship, and especially with something like coaching or the membership. We are so lucky in the membership. And I always credit how amazing they all are and how lucky I am that they are such nice people. And then they very kindly say, you're the one who brings them in. But there are people that have come in that have not lasted long and they've gone. And that's fine because they came in and went, oh yeah, no, this isn't how they do it in here or this isn't how we show up. The more I can show up as real as I am, like the conversation we're having here is not far off other than the fact I'm normally coaching Nicole. Like it's not far <laughs> off exactly how we are on a coaching call. But the same as if you came around my house. Like it's exactly the same. If you saw me on stage, exactly the same. That is so important because the worst thing you can do is try and show up one way on social media or try and show up one way on going live or on stage or whatever it might be on a podcast. And then someone actually speaks to you and they're like, oh, that doesn't fit. That seems really weird. And then suddenly they're going to start doubting everything. So showing up, and like I said, I hate the authentically word, but showing up as you are will help them make the decision for you. I will not attract people who want to come to my event or come and listen to my podcast who do not like me. And that's fine because I don't want them there because it would not be comfortable if they did. They wouldn't like it. I read something the other week, saw it on, a, on their social. Someone had talked about complaints that they had in their business. They're very similar to me. I'd say similar size audience as well. And they had all these number of complaints and all these people basically saying your product's terrible. And they were saying that the online world had ruined them, like how horrible it is, how mean people are. I was listening thinking, God, that is so weird. I've never had anybody. I had one person ask for a refund once and I politely declined. I gave my reason as to why I was declining and they said, okay. And I did offer them something to go. They were cool. But I was like, why has this person had so many complaints and I haven't had any really that I can think of? There are people who don't like me and there might be people who've worked with me and thought, yeah, I won't do that again. But they don't hate me enough to go, she was horrendous or she didn't do what she said. And I think that's because I'm attracting the right people because I'm showing up in the right way and therefore only the right people are buying from me. I don't want people buying from me who don't get it, who don't like it, who aren't in my world. It just makes me think about the unique ways that you're trailblazing the world when it comes to connections. I actually was reading this Forbes article that was super interesting. There's a quote in there that says, networking is nine to five and that relationships are forever. And I think that with the way that I do business, it's all about taking things that have been historically done that are antiquated, especially in the post-COVID world, and flipping it, making you think about different ways of thinking about business and just doing life. I think you're trailblazing when it comes to relationships because you've been getting this message for a long time, and I'm sure it's evolved over time. One of my favorite sayings is from Jay-Z. It says, real, recognize real, and you're looking familiar. 
Because I think it just sets it up. I love it. If you're real, you'll see somebody else who's real. Can you talk about being real and how it changed to really living in your authentic self and what it's done for your business? Right at the beginning, I looked at these other people and thought, this is how I've got to be. This is how I've got to show up. This is how you become a successful business owner. We used to have a saying in our business that was like, what would do? And it was some big person in my world. And if they did it that way, we did it that way. It got to the point where my ego became bigger than my bank balance. Because seriously, if you look at my bank, it does not relate to where I am put. And I think it's because I looked at someone huge and I followed all the steps and I did all the things. Instead of going, what feels nice to me? What feels good? The hardest thing was the selling. So I went and learned from all these online gurus of this is how to sell. And it made me want to scrub my skin with bleach, but I did it. And then I was like, this feels awful. This isn't me. And the thing was, it wasn't working either because I wasn't convincingly doing the sale that they were trying to get people to do. So I was like half arsing it. I started to go, I don't like this. I actually just don't like showing up in this way. So one of the big things in my world, if you have an online membership, is you have to, no one tells you what you have to do. That's absolute bull. But you have to have an open and close cart. Okay. So for those of you who are not sure what I'm talking about, basically you open the cart at certain points in the year, you have it open for four or five days, and then you close it. The whole point in this is to create that FOMO, is to create that fear of missing out and to basically force the hand of people to get into your thing. Does it work? 100%. It's excellent. It's a very good sales tactic. Is it sleazy and horrible? Yes, it is, 100%. It was a lot of work I did with Mary around this. She talked to me about what would it be like or what would it feel like? What do you really want? And what I wanted was to serve people in my audience. Do I serve people by opening and closing? No. Because surely if I wanted to serve someone, I want to help them whenever they're ready to come in. And I wasn't doing that because I was opening and closing and opening and closing. It was great because I would really force people's hands, but then people would leave because their hand had been forced and it wasn't right for them. So therefore, the month later or two months later, you get someone going, oh, thanks, sorry, but this really isn't the right time. Whereas ever since I've just held it open the whole time, that in itself brings a whole nother strategy and a whole nother issue because you don't have that kind of forcing people's hands. People need encouragement to do something because we are humans and we will put things off. You know what it's like. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. And then you don't do it. It's not because you don't want to do it. It's just because something else has come in the way. So for me, I have to constantly think of ways in which I can talk about the club and bring people into the club and find different things in order to do that. So it makes my job harder. However, I feel so much happier. I feel like I'm really serving people because it's there when they want to come in and when literally any day they can join us. I'm not waiting until some big launch and going through that whole launch thing. Don't get me wrong, we still launch as in I will do insider experiences where basically I will open up the club and people can come and see what we do in there, which is lovely and it's really cool and it's like inviting people to a house, it's ace. I think those things and fighting against the this is how it's done, knowing as well that I am making my life so much harder and my membership could be considerably bigger than it is now if I wanted to do that. And I think it's a hard thing to keep going because I have a husband who I contribute to the house and he wants to see me be a huge success and bring in loads and loads of money. And so he gets constantly frustrated by 
these people, they don't appreciate you. You're doing so much for them, blah, blah, blah. Like, why are people joining? And it's because I'm not using those tactics. My hope is that consistency, showing up and always being here and proving that I am the real deal and it's genuine, that that will pay off. It's not going to pay off quickly. I know that, but it will pay off. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for people who don't know you, you are just wide open in all the ways, right? You just speak your mind. That got a little scary there. <laughs> Episode one, here we go. This is what it's like. We're talking about being real and authentic, even with your membership and the coaching, you slow roll it. You literally open up your doors for people with your organization and say, if you want to understand what it's like to truly work with me or be a part of this group, you give them that sense of, oh, I want more. And so it becomes a very easy sell, but it's not so little that you're not making an informed decision. I've paid attention to what you do. For instance, you have a in-person event, but mm -hmm. instead of the traditional, I'm only going to share it X amount of days, final countdown of how many slots every single day. So you get this FOMO going on. You don't do that. You give people enough time that they can budget for it, that they can mm -hmm. research it, that they can also ask you questions or ask yeah. people in the club questions. They might even get to experience it firsthand and fall in love with you before they even pay you a dollar, not oh. to mention the podcast and the social yeah. media and all this stuff. I think a lot of people would be like, that's not efficient to someone who's needing to make a true investment, which I think is what we do when we're choosing to be in the service industry. We're making investment in yeah. person. So many people are into these tactics that are really after the short game and the quick win. When you talk about the short game versus the long game, I think mm -hmm. what you're doing is very innovative in the fact that you're playing for the long win. And that ultimately is going to lead to lasting success and, by the way, legacy, which is why we're here to make an impact on people. Mm -hmm. Even though this is a small thing, how does that play into then your long yeah. game? Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that. And I'm so glad you rephrased the way you did because people will look at things like, so speaking, for instance, I will speak anywhere that someone asks me if I am free, if they can pay, then ace. If they can't, then we'll have a discussion. And if it's my audience, right? So sometimes I will speak in really small groups and people will be like, oh, you won't do that. You're too big for that. And it's no. The truth comes to what is my objective? What's my why? Why do I have this business now? I absolutely want to earn loads of money. Like you should see my vision board, which is the other side of this camera. Like it's got all the good stuff on it. It's traveling everywhere. It's got like the nicest, the house. You should see the house, the garden, the greenhouse. Like I have got it all. I want all the amazing, beautiful things. So it's not that I don't want the money, but why do I do this? Because as my husband tells me very often, I could go get a corporate job tomorrow with my experience and earn a fair amount of money. But I don't do it for I do it because I want to make a difference and I want to see someone thrive and improve and change and build something for them. And I want to see their confidence grow. And that's what it comes down to. Now, there's a real fine line between giving your all and giving everything and never being paid for it and being exhausted because you're constantly giving and giving. I fall in and out of that on occasions. A good way of putting this is someone said to me that they were going to go start doing live something on their Instagram, but they wanted to wait till they got more followers. And I'm like, but why do you want to do the live? 
and the like because I want to help people. So if you can help one person, that's not enough. And they were like, I guess so. Is it that you want the people watching you or is it that you want to help someone? Because if you want to help someone, you could do that now. You could go live tomorrow and do that. Our ego wants all the things and all the people. So it was constantly reminding me, is that my ego that wants to speak on a massive stage? Or is that that I really want to help people? Now I do really want to help people. So if I want to help people, then yes, great. I can help lots by standing on a massive stage. But then if someone asks me with a smaller stage, surely the objective is still the same. I can still help people, can't I? It's just that it's a smaller stage. So for me, it's about that consistency. It's about showing up. I have seen so many people come and go in my industry because they think this is a quick way to make money and it flipping isn't. And what was Ace? You know how Facebook give you the memories? I had a memory come up just a few days back or a week so back and it was me doing a live, which I think is so funny because there's me in my little office downstairs looking completely different, looking younger, but the lighting on the camera wasn't as good. And I'm talking about what's a lead magnet and why you need one. I've gone live on Facebook to talk about it. And that was like six years ago or something. And that following week on my podcast, I was doing an episode about lead magnets and what they are and how to make them work for your business. That's consistency. Someone messaged me the other week going, I wish I could afford to work with you. You're not going to stop anytime soon, are you? Because you're on my vision board. And I was just like, I know, right? My heart. You've got to be in it for the long haul. And if you're not in it for the long haul, you won't do it. If you don't have that passion behind it, if you don't have the genuine why or the genuine reason, you just won't do it because you'll get bored and fed up and annoyed and you still get all those things, FYI, but then you come back to remembering that this is why I do it and you continue. Whereas if I didn't have that, I'd have given up flipping years ago because this is hard. This is really hard. It is very hard. Being a coach in this world is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Granted, there is the opportunity to have a very lucrative life and have financial stability. I think people are going to be able to see right through you if you don't do it for the right reasons. That's why, to me, implementing something like an impact strategy where you're really looking at people and saying, okay, I want to make an impact. Money can be the byproduct of the impact that I'm making not the other way around. I'm watching your business develop and grow in this amazing way. The long end strategy ends up becoming almost like, how do I impact people? It's like those small wins of income in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. There are some people that saw me years and years ago and have now just decided to join me. And that blows my mind. They'll come into my world and go, do you know how long I've listened to every podcast episode? I've watched you for years and it's taken this point to get in. There's all those memes that you see on Instagram that are like the pot of gold and they stop digging right before the pot of gold because they get fed up. If you don't have that kind of passion of enjoying digging, then you're going to stop because if you're doing it just for the pot of gold, then you're never going to continue. Enjoying what I do, loving what I do, I think is so important and showing my members and my community that I genuinely care about them. Someone did me a really lovely LinkedIn recommendation the other day completely out of the blue, one of my members. And she wrote in it, before I was a member, I would email to Teresa when she would email out to her list. I wasn't a member, she didn't know me. And she would email me back. Now in her world, I know there's nothing she wouldn't do for her members. And that is huge. That is massive. So for me, and being completely honest and authentic as I am, getting people in the club is hard work, okay? That is not an easy task. Like I said, I won't use the sales tactics that I know work. 
because they don't feel nice. They don't feel like they fit with me. So it is harder getting people in, but when people get in, they stay and they love it and they talk about it. I had someone the other day financially having to pause. I'm not willing for someone to go into financial difficulty. She emailed me personally going, I really don't want to, but I think I'm going to have to. And I'm really sorry. And anybody that's ever left has emailed me personally going, this is the reason I'm leaving. I'm so sorry. I don't have the churn. I don't have that kind of faceless thing. I know everyone in there. I know what they do. I know what their business are. I know kids' names and partners. <laughs> For me, that makes my life nicer and happier and more enjoyable. That long-term strategy, it's not even a strategy, it's just who I am, but that pays off eventually, but you've got to be in it for the long haul. I think you just threw up a meatball for me because I don't know if you know this, but LinkedIn is actually celebrating their 20th anniversary on May 5th. They are not. Yes. Can you believe it? May 5th, 20th anniversary. For the people who are listening who don't know me, which probably most people don't, to be honest, unless you played soccer for a really long time. And I'll get into that backstory some other episode. I love to do research and I love data. So that's something to expect. I was reading this study on Hootsuite, of course, another study. And it yes. says that 60% of the LinkedIn users, and there's 875 million, they're between the ages of 25 and 34. I actually was surprised by the demographic being younger. I am surprised. You would have thought, being around for 20 years, that they would have a higher age bracket demographic. It blew my mind because I'm outside of that age gap now. Um, yeah, but so. I was thinking like now, especially with you being in the marketing and digital space, LinkedIn is obviously just one of the platforms being also Instagram and Facebook and now TikTok as well. What would you say to your younger self if you had access to all this social media? How would you choose what to prioritize or how to show up? I think it depends what you want, really. If you are in an employed place or you are business to business, then LinkedIn is going to be great. It really makes me laugh. I have a 24-year-old stepdaughter and a 20-year-old stepson. And he would talk to me about becoming a YouTuber and becoming influencers and that sort of thing. And it's like these people who have got to that stage, it's almost like the online world. They were the first ones to do it. They were different from everybody else. And that's what made them successful. So it's not, again, necessarily about looking at these people going, oh, that's what I want to do or that's how I need to show up. It's about deciding which is the best platform. We could do all of them, but it's exhausting. And you really do need to use the platforms for the purpose in which they're built, okay? So Instagram is all visual. It's video, it's audio, it's pictures. They want you to use all the features. They want you to do lives. They want you to do reels. They want you to do posts. They want you to do stories. They want you to use all the features within stories. LinkedIn isn't those things. LinkedIn is more discussions and articles and conversations, a lot of DMing, a lot of spam DMing. If you're going to be on these platforms, you really need to use them how they want to be used. I think if you are that age and you know where you want to go, well, first on, well done you. But right. secondly, you are in a much better position than most people. So if I was to reach out to someone and be like, hey, I'd love to get to know you because I just think you're fascinating. They'd be like, all right, jog on. Because it sounds smarmy and salesy and, and rubbish and I'm 44. But if you were 20 something and you DM me, and I've had this FYI, Someone messaged me saying, I'm writing a paper for university and I want to interview someone. 
could I interview you? And she'd obviously just done her search on people in marketing or social media, whatever it was. And I responded, of course, happy to, because, you know, I want to help encourage her and whatever. She ended up coming to work for me. She's now a very dear friend. I'm not even kidding. Started with that conversation. Then she said, can I send it you when I've done it? Yeah, absolutely. She sent it me and I read it. And I was like, that is phenomenal, Becky. That is so good. The next thing was she worked for a company and they needed training. So she recommended me. Then she wanted some work experience. So she came and worked with me for a bit. Then I appeared again somewhere else. And I was like, do you know what? I really need someone to help me with this. Could you do that? And she did. And she worked for me for a couple of years. All because she reached out and had a conversation with me. And because she was younger, I didn't think for one second she was going to sell to me because she obviously wasn't. I was more than happy to have the conversation. And I know that having young step children and my daughter's 13 like they do not want to be embarrassed I couldn't care less now what people think of me and I couldn't care less like if I get a no I get a no and occasionally it stings a little bit but on the whole I'm pretty all right about it they do not want people saying no to them they don't like it but just do it just reach out and have these conversations now's the time to start and it doesn't always have to be offering me something like I said she wanted me to be interviewed which I did she said can I send you my paper so I can see what you think Absolutely. So have and start those conversations. You just don't know where they're going to take you at all, ever. I think that's the thing is like, how do you use social media in a way that is truly about having the intention of creating connection versus just the intention of being seen? I think you gave a perfect example of someone who researched you. They did their homework. They knew about you. They reached out because they, they wanted to honor you. They respected you. They admired you and they wanted to honor you. Flattery goes a long way, FYI. Yeah. And I think that's what people are missing. It's like, at the end of the day, I will say it is hard. You put yourself out there. And if there's a denier, there's a no response. That's really sad, especially yes. in this keeping up with the Joneses type of world that we're in. Yeah. My final question before I have one last little fun thing for us. I have a favorite word. And a least favorite word. And they both start with S. My favorite okay. word that starts with S, probably no shocker to you, is shit. My least? Well. Yes, thank you. I enunciate the consonant. This is being from Jersey, <laughs> but I do choose to use it somewhat wisely living in the South. My second least favorite word that starts with S is should. Can mm-hmm. you talk about how shoulds have played a part? And what you have done to overcome some of those shoulds. The first few years of my business was basically should. I should show up like this. I should have a business like this. I should be able to manage. When I first started in this world, in the online world, all these people were like, you've got to have a coach, you've got to have a coach. And I was like, I should be able to do this on my own. I'm smart. I am smart. I do this as a living. Like, I can motivate. I was a great employee. I should be able to do it on my own. And I think so many small business owners think that. So many business owners think I should be able to do this and that they shouldn't need to have a coach, right? And the truth is I am a coach. I coach other people. I'm very good at making people accountable. I'm very good at getting them to get their shit done. I need the same. I need someone in my world, who goes, you said you were going to have that done, you haven't done it. It was funny, like it took a bit of a revelation of thinking about sports stars and the fact that you came from the sporting world, which is absolutely not my world, but like the fact that you came from that, but also like music stars, you will have a music coach, a voice coach, 
you will have coaches on every single team, athlete, everything. And also I used to think, well, if you're that freaking good as a coach, why don't you do it? Right. So I was so naive. This is FYI when most of the coaches I knew were like either part of a franchise coach thing or they'd worked in corporate for like 30 years and suddenly they thought that, you know, they could coach someone, which they just not necessarily the case. It didn't occur to me until I thought about sports people and music people that actually they have coaches and those coaches have no desire to be the person on stage singing or the person running. And just because they don't do the running doesn't mean that they don't have all the tools they need to help them do it. So I think the biggest should is that we should be able to manage all this on our own and that we don't need help. And I used to also think that, you know, it was a bit of a like, it was like a bit of a waste of money. The work I have done since I had a coach compared to the time before is ridiculous. This is now what I teach so strongly. There is no should in anything. No one tells you. It's your business. You get to decide. Your life, your business, your thing. At the end of the day, you get to decide. I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about options. I was talking to one of my sisters about something and she's like, I have no choice. And I said, you do have a choice. You don't like the options, but you have a choice. There is always a choice. It's just about the options. I remember my husband saying to me really early on, I was moaning about what it's like to run a business. And I was like, no, I want to understand. I work so hard all the time. My brain never switches off. No. And he won't get a job then. And just stopped. <laughs> and he wasn't trying to be smart because he's an engineer. He is very methodical brain. So in his head, he was like, that doesn't work. Get a job. And I was like, but I don't want a job. Well, kind of stop moaning then. <laughs> but, you know, and that's the thing. Like, so we get to decide. The choices might not be nice or easy, but we get to decide. No one gets to dictate to you what it should be. And just because someone else was successful doing it this way does not mean that you have to do it that way. There's no should in anything. It's all about what do you want? How do you want to do it? And what is important to you? And I think you brought like a great point up coming from the athletic world. I had a coach for everything. But I yeah. think the beauty of a really good coach is not someone who says you have to or do this. They ask you the questions that make you dive really deeply to come to a decision mm -hmm. from power. And then you as the client, you're holding your coach accountable for holding you accountable. That's yeah. what we do is yeah. like, can you get really deep inside in knowing them and help them see something they don't see in themselves? Shoulds are based on like limiting beliefs or judgments, right? Anytime you say it to yourself, mm -hmm. it's most likely a limiting belief. Anytime someone says it's to you, it's because they're judging. That's yeah. the thing with coaching. It's a very interesting way of getting you to really creatively dive deep into what is already inside of you, but helping you make decisions and having a sounding board to do it. And, and also sometimes this is similar for me in terms of like therapy. Not that I'm a therapist, FYI, but when I've had therapy, sometimes it's holding that mirror up in front of you and going, do you want to take a look again? Like, for me, that's why those connections almost coming full circle as if we planned this. That's why those connections and those, those relationships are so very important because I need to know when I can do that and when I need to do something different. You've joked and we've laughed a little bit about the fact that you like to do your research and you love to dive down that rabbit hole and I have to pull you back out of the rabbit hole. And I know when to go, that's enough. We've done enough on that now. We need to just do the action. Or when to be like, okay, yeah, you're not comfortable with that. You're not procrastinating 
because you just want to procrastinate, you're procrastinating because there's some other reason why you're procrastinating rather than just, oh, I just want to read this and I want to go down this and let me read this first. Let me see this thing first. So I think it's about when you work with that coach and have I ever told you about how I met Mary? No. It was also very serendipitous. I was at a conference, Traffic and Conversion, not really my type of conference. There was girls in short skirts trying to sell something called the War Room. Well, you can imagine it. It'd been a great place for us, Nicole. We'd have loved it. Uh, right up my alley with my pride band and uh, things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like it was a mastermind called the War Room, all white men in suits and the women, short skirts, heels. It was the most misogynistic thing I've ever seen in my life at something like a digital marketing conference. It blew my mind. So I'm at this conference and there's like 4,000 people there and we're all trying to make it big in the digital marketing space. And I get like the worst imposter syndrome ever. Instead of being all pumped and excited that I'm in San Diego and how ace is this and all this jazz, I am actually like, who the hell do I think I am? What am I doing? Like, I'm never going to succeed. So I wake up super early because it's jet lag. So 4am I'm getting up. My husband's with me because he always likes to come traveling with me. He's asleep in bed. I'm doing some work on my laptop. I've got in my ears a podcast, Amy Porterfield's podcast. And Amy talks about her coach, Mary, who is Michael Hyatt's daughter, right? And I was like, oh, well, and a, a coach was like kind of coming around my head and for a while, like I need a coach, I need a coach. But all the coaches I knew were, like I said, middle-aged white straight men who could not offer me anything that I thought. So I went onto Mary's site and something, whatever it said, made me think, oh my God, this is the one for me. And you had to fill in the form and you had to hit a certain income criteria. And I only hit it in dollars. I didn't hit it in pounds, but I thought, hey, I've hit it. So <laughs> I'm going to say I hit that. So anyway, filled in the form and it said, why now? And I said, I'm in San Diego. I should be feeling all excited. I should be motivated. It should be picking me up and it's not. It's doing the opposite. Sent the email. She then emails me back a few hours later going, oh my God, I'm in San Diego. Not quite realizing she lived in Nashville because we're a bit naive as, as you guys are doing <laughs> in my country. I like think, you know, the States is probably a bit smaller than it is. I was like, oh, should, do you want to meet for lunch? And I was like, yeah, I want to meet for lunch. So basically we met for lunch that day in San Diego. Like the weirdest thing ever. We had the most lovely lunch. She told me what she charged. And I was like, basically like, oh yeah, thanks. That's never going to happen. Like genuinely was like, yeah, no, that no, I probably won't be doing that. Thanks, Mary. <laughs> anyway, you know, things happened and I did. It was just so weird that like I emailed one that day and she was in San Diego. We met for lunch. How is? It was very similar, like how we met. I put myself out there and was asking my coach if I could work with her during this retreat. And she said, yes. And then from there, this connection and just, and all the connection I've met, you know, even people I'm working with yeah. from the club, like just show up authentically, yeah. let people fall in love with you, yeah. not an image of you, not what you think they want. Not only does it help you in your career, but it just creates a sense of confidence in yourself yeah. and the tribe that you have. Yeah. It's like. You just fucking wake up with great gratitude every morning. Like, oh shit, I got another friend. How did this happen? <laughs> I love it though. Don't you? Like, I love like having all these people in my world. I love meeting people and connecting with people. There's nothing like it. As it there isn't. And I'm so honored that we have formed this connection from across, across the pond. 
I know you love it. I think I was like Scottish, not usually English. I'm no, really shit. Right. It was all right. Yeah. Practicing up when you lot do. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. All right, I got five quick questions. So this is called my okay. my little quirky Thrive in Five. I love a good okay. rhyme. I love a good rhyme. Okay. okay. Ready? I think number so. one. How do you bring your quirk into work? So <laughs> I think if you're in my world, when you get on a coaching call, I wait for a bit for everyone to get on and give time people to come on. And I always tell a funny story or I try and make it funny. Like I always tell a lot of personal stuff about me. I'm a very open book, but that's just me. I'm an oversharer. I am an oversharer. I can't help myself. So my work is me. I just bring me into it. I love it. All right. Who is doing something outside of the box that really is inspiring you and why? So I think, uh, Denise Duffield Thomas, I was very lucky to interview her on the podcast a while back. And she is very honest about her income, her expenditure, what she's brought in. She literally gives you her breakdown of this is what I paid myself. This is what I paid my team. This is how much I made from that launch. This is how much I spent on ads. This is how much I spent on the video. This is how much I spent on this. And I think there needs to be way more of that, way more of that honesty in this space. Because I think there's too many people going, I just did a six-figure launch. And yet you don't know how much they spent on Facebook ads. And turnover is vanity. Like they may have a seven-figure turnover, but they might be making next to nothing profit. So I love that she does that. I love that she is so honest about that. And also honest about you will roughly have one to three percent people buy from you. So if you've got an email list with a hundred people on it, that'll be one to three people. I love that honesty. Oh, I love that. Being completely Yeah, it's cool. That fucking rocks in this space. Yeah. And the respect that she has from me because of that is huge. All right, Denise, we see you. We see you. Yeah. Love it. It's awesome. Love that shout out. All right. You're going to get a little weird here. (laughs) Uh, Quirk into work. I mean, who even says that? Okay. When was the last time you did something for the first time? There's so many places we could go with this. You can take it where you want. I'm asking the questions. You're providing me. I, I like how open that question is. I'm going to talk about work. Recently, someone interviewed me for their podcast and they asked me, instead of interviewing me, could I coach them on a podcast? And I thought, great idea. But then I panicked. One, I don't know this person that well. Two, I have one hour. Like, what if I cannot do something in that one hour? Because sometimes it doesn't come like that. It's not like we finish every coaching session like, brilliant, nailed that one. It's an evolving, changing thing. The whole yeah. point of coaching is it's not a one and done type thing. But anyway, thank God, as if by some amazing fluke, well, she said she had a big breakthrough on the podcast interview, but it literally went out a live coaching session oh, of me I coaching her, which was great because not only was it lovely to show off that skill, I suppose. But also, if she wasn't as open and vulnerable as she was, we couldn't have done that. Cool. That's a really cool story. All right, ready? This is number four. Yeah. We only got two more, but this is four. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> if you were to write an autobiography, did you say, my God? Thank God. Yeah, you're right. Stress. This one's kind of messed up, but I don't care. Like, because I'm always on the hot seat, it's really, really, it's so gratifying to put oh, it's on you right now. I, yeah, bye. I love seeing you in that. Well, seat. you wait. 
You wait till our next call. That's all I'm going to say. Good thing it's two weeks away. Anyway, if you were to write an autobiography right now, what would be the last sentence in your book? Oh, man, this is hard. Because the last sentence, like, should be the best. Because I've done a lot of personal work this year on myself. It's almost like you're constantly waiting for it to be fine and done. And like, oh, I've got to be over that by now, surely. I think it would have to be a line around recognizing each step and each win, but knowing that this is a journey and we're only just getting started. I love it because it means that there's a sequel. There we go. Done. Two books. I love that second book deal. Thanks. Every book has the same ending. (laughs) Yeah. Wait for the next one. I might tell you. <laughs> How many times do you reckon I could get away with it? <laughs> I guess I just wrote some copy for you in some ways. I asked the question, right? Is it- yeah, yeah. I'll credit you. <laughs> All right. Last one. This is just surely out of curiosity because when I, I came up with the name Thrive Differently, I just thought it was very inclusive. And that's really what my brand is about. I would love to know what it means to you to thrive differently in your life. To be clear on what you want what it means to thrive and that can be really hard with the noise of the world because we're told everywhere what thriving looks like that it's got to be big expensive houses in beautiful countries and laptop lifestyle and all this sort of thing and I think for me thriving differently what it means is being so clear and so comfortable in who you are and so sure about what is important to you that you don't care what other people think. Like, it doesn't make a blind bit of difference to you if someone thinks I'm sad for growing vegetables because I freaking love it. I don't care. That's what it means to me to go, this is what matters to me. And also to not have that judgment on anyone else. That has been a huge thing for me. Like, someone came into my world or like passed me in the street or whatever, and they were really grumpy and really arsy. And for a second, I was like, oh, and then I was like, there's a million reasons they could be like this. This could have happened. This could have happened. This could have happened. This could have happened. And suddenly I just changed my thought altogether, you know? So it's like, for me, it's that acceptance of me, but having that acceptance of me is accepting others for what they want and that their version of thriving might look different to mine. And that's okay. I love that. Between working with you, working with Mary Hyatt, to have a coach is to like, see the most beautiful reflection of yourself in the mirror and like to cut out some of the outside noise. So I just wanted to say thank you because you've made such a wonderful impact. I know you're not going anywhere because I won't let you share. Yeah, hell yeah. Like a big old hug. I can't, I really wish I could actually (laughs) hug you right now. I just want to say thank you so much. And so anybody listening, please, 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 Teresa Heath wearing Dream Business Club, tell people where they can find you. So having a name like this helps find me. Wherever you're watching this, my name will be written somewhere or listening. So go to TeresaEthWearing.com. You'll find everything on there. Or my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. So come drop me a DM. I will DM you back because that's who I am as a person. And come and have a conversation. I would love to connect with you. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, this woman literally has changed my life. I know that sounds really cliche. Talk about vulnerability and all this authenticity. 
But I needed someone to say that I needed to be seen in this world. And I'm so honored because you told me, and I'll leave it with this. You told me that if I found my voice, I have the power to change the world. And I just want to say thank you because this is me with my voice trying to make a little bit of an impact on all these amazing people. And I'm so honored. You're number one on my podcast list. Do that. So nice. thank you so much. Mwah. Honestly, I've loved it, Nicole. You've rocked. Oh, thank you.